Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, check it out, please, and go over into your New Testament to the book of Ephesians. Please go on your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6. I promise you we're going to read some verses from Ephesians 6 in a few minutes. As you turn there in your Bible and get ready to study and grow together, if you don't mind, I would like to begin this lesson this morning by just saying thank you. I want to say thank you to the shepherds and thank you to every member of this congregation for giving me the opportunity to be the preacher for this wonderful church. I want you to know that I count it as a privilege and a blessing and also a, a huge responsibility. I count it as something that I got to take very seriously and I must never take for granted because I'm accountable to so many people. I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to Jesus and I'm also accountable to you. I'm also accountable to every member of this congregation. You see, whether you know it or not, but if you are a member of this congregation, you come here every single Sunday with high expectations of me. You come here every single Sunday with high goals of me. When you come through those doors on Sunday, you expect me to do the work that I've been given to do. You expect me to have studied hard during the week. And to be prepared to teach my Bible classes and preach my lessons. You expect those lessons that are offered to be lessons that will, for the most part, keep your attention. And be interesting and organized and well thought out. And respectful of your time and have good visual aids and ultimately be lessons that help you go to heaven. Be lessons that help draw you closer and closer to God. As a congregation, you have high expectations of me. As a preacher, and while that is certainly appropriate, right and good, let me also suggest that the preaching part of the worship service is not supposed to be a solo. It is not supposed to be a one person activity. You see, in addition to the preacher being adequately prepared to preach the word of God during this time for this part of our worship service to truly be effective. Guess what? You in the pew, you also got to make sure you do your part. You also got to make sure you fulfill your responsibility. You also got to make sure that you open your ears and you listen very, very effectively. You got to be an effective listener of the word of God. You see, you can't have good and effective preaching without also having good and effective listening. There's so many verses that talk about this in the Bible. Romans 10, 17, a familiar verse. What does it say? It says faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. James 1 and verse 19 says that we are to be swift to hear and slow to speak. There in that context, James is talking about being swift to hear the word of God. 
You go to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15 and in Matthew 13 and verse 9 and in Luke 14 and verse 35. And Jesus says something that he says numerous times in the Bible. And that is he who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Let him hear the word of God. And then in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, after Jesus was transfigured on a mountain, God the Father spoke directly from heaven and he said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to the sacred words of Jesus. Notice how all throughout the gospel, God emphasizes the need to listen. God says that not only does the preacher have a huge responsibility when it comes to what we are doing right now, but 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 so do you. You also have a huge responsibility. You also have to be engaged. You also have to do something. You also got to make sure that you're not merely a spectator, but that you are also a participator. You see, both the preacher and those in the audience have huge responsibilities whenever the word of God is proclaimed. The question is, how exactly do you do that? How exactly do you do what God wants you to do? How exactly do you stay engaged in this part of our worship to God? How exactly do you become an effective listener to the proclamation of God's word? Was we consider this important and neglected topic today, I want to give you three things or four things, I'm sorry, four things to think about. I want to give you four very practical things that you need to do before you come through the doors on Sunday if you're going to be an engaged and an effective listener to the word of God. If you're going to be effective in doing what Jesus says you have to do in these verses, then before you even come through the doors on Sunday, the first thing you got to make sure you do is you got to make sure you pray. You got to pray. You got to pray all throughout the week about what we're doing right now. You got to pray all throughout the week for the preacher. You got to pray for me. You got to pray for Brother Brian. You got to pray for what for whoever or whatever brother, you know, ahead of time is going to be standing in this pulpit on on Sunday. Are you in Ephesians chapter six? Listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter six and verse number 18. In verse 18, Paul says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on what? On my behalf. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me and the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice the very specific prayer request of the Apostle Paul in those verses. Do you see it? Notice how here in these verses, Paul is asking the brethren in Ephesus to pray for him. To pray for his work as a preacher. 
to pray that he be effective in his work as a preacher, to pray that he have the boldness and the courage to open his mouth and say the things that God wants him to say. The great and inspired Apostle Paul asked for the prayers of the brethren in Ephesus when it came to his proclaiming of the gospel of Christ. And think about this. If the great and inspired Apostle Paul needed the prayers of the saints when it came to his work as a preacher, how much more so do I? If the Apostle Paul, someone who didn't have to study, he didn't have to study because the Holy Spirit was telling him exactly what to say when he preached. If the Apostle Paul needed the prayers of the brethren when it came to being a preacher, how much more so do I? How much more so do I as a young, uninspired, non-miracle worker, preacher of the gospel in the 21st century, need the prayers of God's people? I mean, I think it's safe to say that the apostle Paul, the inspired apostle, needed prayers from the brethren that I certainly do. I also certainly do. I also need God's people every single day to be praying that I have clarity of thought and good study habits and boldness and courage to say the right things that will convict the lost and challenge those who are part of the body of Christ. I, I certainly need God's people to be praying every single day that when I stand up here on Sunday, I have things to say that are well organized. They're structured, they're easy to understand, they're well thought out, they have good visual aids, and they are relevant to the challenges we're facing in our lives today. You see, if you're going to be an effective listener when you get here on Sunday, the first thing you got to do is you got to pray. You got to pray for the preacher, but not only do you have to pray for the preacher, you also need to be praying for the sermons. Do you pray for the sermons throughout the week? Do you pray for the lessons that will be presented on Sunday in Psalm 119? Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is a chapter that is exclusively devoted to exalting the word of God. And in Psalm 119, verse 18, the psalmist, as he prays to God, he says, Open my eyes, open my eyes, that I may behold wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law. Question, how in the world does God do that? How in the world does God do what that verse says? How in the world does God open up our eyes so that we can behold wonderful things in his law? Well, if we think, brothers and sisters, that in that verse, the psalmist is talking about God doing something supernatural, that's not right. That's wrong. That's not what the psalmist is talking about there. There in that verse, the psalmist is not talking about God opening our eyes through supernatural or miraculous means. Instead, he's talking about God opening our eyes through the preaching of his word. Through the preaching of the gospel, through the preaching of the Bible, whenever it is proclaimed by his messengers. That is what the psalmist is talking about there in that verse. And that really shouldn't surprise us because isn't that exactly what we find God doing all throughout the Bible, particularly the Old Testament? 
Remember, in the Old Testament, whenever God's people Israel got immersed in sin, whenever they got immersed in idolatry, whenever they started worshiping false gods, what did God do in those situations? Did not God send them a prophet? Did not God send them Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Micah or Hosea or Habakkuk or Malachi to tell them about their sin? And to tell them about how God felt about their sin and to warn them about what God was going to do to them if they didn't stop and repent of their sins. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God opened up the eyes of his people through the preaching of the prophets. And while I am by no means a prophet, let me suggest that I still have the same responsibility that the prophets had. I still have the responsibility to use the revelation God has given me in this book to open up eyes. To open up hearts, to prick hearts and and challenge people to be zealous about serving the Lord in their everyday lives. So you got to you got to pray about that. You got to pray about that. You got to pray about that every single day. If you're going to be an effective listener, whenever you come here and worship God through the preaching of the gospel, you got to pray for the messenger. You got to pray for the preacher, the Bible says. You got to pray for the sermons. But not only do you have to pray about this throughout the week, a second thing you got to do if you're going to be an effective listener is you got to set high expectations. Oh, yes, you got to set high expectations. I don't know about you, but for me. When it comes to, to engaging in, in an activity, expectations are, are everything. Expectations mean everything to me. Whenever I have high expectations for a particular activity, guess what? I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be passionate. I'm going to engage in that, act, in that activity with a lot of zeal and a lot of passion. But by contrast, if I engage in an activity and I have low expectations going in, If I go into an activity expecting to be bored, expecting to be wasting my time, expecting not to get much out of it, guess what's going to happen? That's exactly what's going to take place. I'm not going to get much out of it. I'm going to be bored. I'm not going to be engaged. I'm going to be watching the clock all the time because I'm just not very interested. You see, expectations, expectations. Going into something that molds and shapes the activity. It molds and shapes our zeal. It molds and shapes our attitude. This is especially true when it comes to what we're doing right now. Let me ask you a question. What did you expect? What did you expect to happen before you got out of your car this morning in the parking lot? What did you expect to happen when you walked through the doors of the church building? What did you expect to happen when you saw me walk up here and stand in this pulpit after you gave some of your blessings to God through the collection? Did you expect this morning to hear from weak and feeble Sean Jeffries or did you expect to hear from God? Did you expect to hear the word of God? Did you expect to hear information from the book, the only book we have in the world that reveals to us the mind of our creator? 
The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. You're familiar with these verses. In describing the scriptures, Paul says all scripture, all the scriptures, they're inspired not by the messenger, not by the preacher. They're inspired by God. And this translation says it's beneficial for teaching, for, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. I want you to go in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this to the brethren in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, he says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, not as the word that's coming from the mind of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs his work in you who believe. I want you to go to 1 Peter now, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. Peter says to the people of God, for you have been born again. You've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now watch this. And this is the word. This is the word which was preached to you. Notice how in these verses we see exactly we see exactly why what we're doing right now is so important. In these verses, we see exactly why we got to always take this part of our worship to God so seriously. Why I got to take it seriously. Why you got to take it seriously. You see, according to the Bible, the reason why. You got to make sure you always give this your best effort and listen very carefully. Anytime the gospel is preached, it's not because the preacher is so special. He's not special. Instead, you know who's special? God is special. The Holy Spirit is special. The Bible is special. The book that the preacher is proclaiming from is special because it is the only book on the planet to accurately reveal to us the will of God. You see, whenever one zones out or plays on their cell phone or iPad or goofs off with their friends, whenever the Bible's being preached, they don't insult the preacher. The preacher didn't come up with one word that's found in the Bible. They don't insult the preacher. They don't insult the messenger of the Bible. Instead, you know who they insult? They insult God. They insult the Holy Spirit. They insult the one who revealed the message that the preacher is proclaiming. That's the truth about the matter. And so if you want to be the best listener that you can be for God before coming through the doors, set some high expectations. Come here expecting to hear something great. Come here expecting to hear something important. Come here expecting God to speak to you through his word and your life being changed forever through the proclamation of his word. 
Effective listening requires prayer. And it requires high expectations. And then thirdly, it also requires physical preparation. Oh, yes, you got to have physical preparation like you physically prepare to go to work on Monday. Or like you physically prepare to go on a job interview or take a test at school. You also got to physically prepare yourself to come here and hear the word of God on Sunday. You know what that means? That means you don't need to be staying up to two or three o'clock on Saturday night browsing and arguing with people on social media. You don't need to be staying up all night on Saturday night watching TV or playing video games with your friends. You don't need to be treating what we're doing on Sunday morning as though it's not a big deal. Instead, you need to treat it like what it really is. And that is an important event. This is an important event. You see, like any other important event you got to do on, in the morning. You got to physically prepare yourself. You got to physically prepare yourself on Saturday night. You got to go to bed at a decent hour on Saturday night. So you can wake up well rested and prepared to pay to pay close attention. You got to make sure that your kids go to bed at a reasonable time. You got to set your alarm clock so you can wake up at a decent time so you can have enough time to eat a good breakfast and and read some scripture and pray and load your kids up in the car and drive here and be on time sitting in the pew with your Bible open, ready to grow, ready to learn, ready to hear something from God. I want you to go in your Bible to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Look at verse number seven. Acts chapter 20, verse seven. We get a glimpse into a, a worship assembly in the first century. Bible says this. Acts 20, verse 7. Luke says on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, that's today. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, that's the Lord's Supper. We're going to take that in, in a few minutes from now or an hour or so from now. Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he proclaimed his message until midnight. So Paul was preaching in this worship assembly. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep, and he fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Notice how the problem of Christians falling asleep in church is not a new problem. <laughs> That's not a new problem. That's a 2,000-year-old problem. That's what's going on in the time of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is preaching the gospel. There's a brother in the worship assembly. He goes to sleep in church. He falls asleep. In fact, his falling asleep in church on this occasion proved to be fatal. He was so deep in his sleep that he falls from the third loft and he probably breaks his neck. He dies in the worship assembly. And thankfully, the Apostle Paul was there to, to raise him from the dead. But this brother, he fell asleep. He fell asleep while the preacher was preaching. And to be fair to him, to be fair to Eutychus, I think it is important that we point out that Eutychus is probably, he is probably a first century slave. Like many people, like between 60 and 70 percent of the people in the Roman Empire in the first century, Eutychus is probably some kind of first century slave. 
You know what that means? That means he had probably worked long hours for his master and he had walked several miles to this worship service and he is tired. He is physically exhausted. He doesn't have all the luxuries we have in the 21st century. You see, unlike Eutychus, most of us, we got cars, don't we? We got cars. We got an opportunity to get a good night's rest on Saturday. We can get up in the morning and take a shower and have a nice hot breakfast. We're not slaves who have to walk several miles just to come and worship God. Unless we are, are on some form of medication, we have no excuse to be falling asleep in the worship assembly. Effective listening requires prayer. And it requires high expectations and physical preparation. And then fourth and finally, effective listening also requires personal application. Personal application. Go in your Bible, please, James, please to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's look at this last point by reading these verses in James 1 and verse number 21. James 1.21 says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness... And all there remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he is immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, the gospel, the law that liberates us from our sins and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. He'll be blessed by God and what he does. Notice how in addition to being a hearer of the word of God, James says that God also wants us to be doers. God also wants us to be people of action. God also wants us to listen to his word and make personal application. Do you see that? God wants us to make personal application whenever the word of God is preached. And let's just be honest about it this morning, brothers and sisters. That's not always easy to do, is it? Oh, no, that's not always easy to do. You know, so often, instead of making personal application, whenever the word of God is preached, we're more inclined to sit in the pew and think to ourselves, well, well, with that point, I, I know who Sean is talking about. <laughs> with that point, I know that I know who he's getting with that point. Or I wish that so and so was here today because they really need to hear that sermon. That sermon would put them in their place. You see, so often, unfortunately, unfortunately, that is exactly how we think whenever it comes to listening to the word of God. Maybe you've even been thinking that way this morning. If so, I want you to pay close attention to what James says here. James says you can't think that way. It's wrong to think that way. James says in addition to being preached, and in addition to being heard, God also wants the hearer the hearer, to make personal application. You see, whenever preaching a sermon, I have a responsibility 
to always make sure I answer the so what question. You know what the so what question is, right? I've given you information from the Bible. I've given you scriptures from the Bible. I've broken down texts in the Bible, but so what? So what? You're giving me this, giving me this information, but how is it gonna make me better? How is it relevant to my life? How is this information beyond filling up my mental filing cabinet going to make me a better servant for Jesus? You see, I have a responsibility to always answer the so what question for you whenever preaching a lesson. And after I answer that so what question, you have a responsibility to make sure you do it. You do what the answer is. You apply the teaching. You make the application to your life. You see, as a preacher, if I don't give you the so what answer to every question, to, to that question in every sermon, then guess what? I'm the problem. I'm the problem if I don't give you application in every sermon that I preach. But if I do give you that application and that application is clear to you. And it's undeniable and it's concrete and you still don't apply it. Well, guess what? The problem then with the sermon wasn't the preacher. The problem wasn't with the messenger. Instead, the problem is with the listener. It's with the hearer. The hearer. It's not making application to God's word. Effective listening requires prayer. It requires high expectations, physical preparation, and personal application. These are the things that we all have to do to get the most out of this part of our worship to God. In fact, if you've been lacking in any area of your life spiritually this morning, then guess what time it is? It's time for you to do that last point right there. Time for you to make personal application. Time for you to examine your life. Make sure that you don't let the next hour go by without obeying the gospel of your Lord. And so if there's someone here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, you're not a Christian. The application part of the sermon is you need to become a Christian. You need to go beyond just listening to the word of God. and You need to do it. You need to believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Obey his commandment to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you've done those things in the past, but you haven't been living right, living in accordance to the will of God, you also need to go beyond just listening to the word of God. You need to make application. You need to repent. Give your life to God. Back to God before it's too late. If there is anyone here this morning who needs to apply the word of God in the form of repentance and baptism or restoration, whatever your spiritual need may be, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.